0: Hello and welcome to the Expert Insights Show. I'm Donna Hansen. Our Expert Insights CDs are designed to provide you with concise information on topic rel- topics relevant to you in a format that maximizes your time and keeps you up to date on current trends. In this Expert Insights Show, we speak with Sharon Weinstein about how work-life balance impacts on productivity. But before I introduce you to Sharon, let me tell you a little about her. Sharon is a speaker and author who specializes in work-life balance. Prior to her commitment to work-life balance, Sharon, a registered nurse by Education and Passion, worked 100 hours per week, three countries per week, until she missed a family event because of a flight delay in Eastern Europe. The plane had contraband on board and the delay extended for four days. It was at this point that Sharon realized, realized she needed to shift her paradigm and get a life. Sharon's often referred to as a stress buster for her ability to identify stressors and solutions, and is recognized globally for her ability to empower others to be all that they can be. She combines real life stories and conversational techniques that immediately resonate with her audiences. She works with organizations that want to learn how life balance can drive safety, satisfaction, and success. Welcome, Sharon.
1: Thank you, Donna. I'm so pleased to be with you
0: today. I'm looking forward to learning a bit more about this because I, as uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, are always looking for new ideas and strategies around uh, getting that work-life balance and understanding how when you're stressed or when things just aren't quite going right, it can really, really impact on your productivity, can't it?
1: Oh, it certainly can. I think we've all experienced that at one time or
0: another. <laughs> Look, Sharon, I know a shift from nursing to work-life balance. We've, we've briefly sort of touched on why, but I'm curious to how it happened.
1: Well, Donna, I'll start with the fact that once you're a nurse, you're always a nurse. <laughs> there is no such thing as an old nurse. There is no such thing as a retired nurse. We prefer to refer to ourselves as seasoned professionals. Uh. So professionals who have perhaps more experience than the newer cadre of nurses, but we are always still nurses. When I was working a lot of hours, a lot of countries, just so much time, I was exhausted. But because I'm typically a high energy person, it really didn't impact me or so I thought professionally, personally, and certainly not related to my health. But the incident in Armenia was perhaps the trigger for me. I knew that if I was missing my son's engagement party, which is exactly what happened, that following the engagement, there would be a wedding, and following the wedding, there would perhaps be children, and although I had missed so much of my life, I was never going to give up the opportunity to be with grandchildren, and it was at that point in my life that I decided, even without having them, that I would prepare myself for a future that allowed me to secure work-life balance.
0: Wow. Wow. It's interesting. And I I know we're going to chat today about some strategies, four strategies in particular for work-life balance. Um, But before we go on to that, I just want to ask, do you think today um, we tend to be a lot more skewed or out of alignment with what our priorities are?
1: I believe that we do. I believe that each of us, because of the work environment, because of the way that the economy is not just in in the United States, but certainly in your country all over the world, work-life balance is a concept that includes proper prioritizing. Mm. And that's what we don't do between work, which is career and ambition and lifestyle, which is health, pleasure, leisure, family, and spiritual development or meditation. And yes, it really does exist. The problem is that no one, A, admit it, nor B, take the time to secure it. Mm.
0: Okay, all right, so let's get into it. We're gonna chat about four strategies for work-life balance to increase our productivity and in turn many other aspects of our lives. Let, let's start firstly with the question, does work-life balance really exist and what, what's your interpretation of it?
1: I believe that it exists, there's no question. In today's fast-paced business world, the ability to achieve work-life balance is becoming more and more difficult. Employers expect more from staff, Mm -hmm. and we're increasingly putting additional pressure on ourselves to achieve greater results. We have to be more productive. There's less staff that has to do more. So when did it become acceptable for a routine 9 to 5 workday to become 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. or even midnight? Many of us have allowed this to happen, whether it is through conforming to the workplace culture Or feeling obliged to put in more hours because we're afraid that we won't have a job otherwise. Maintaining work-life balance is not only important for your personal health and relationships, but it can also improve the efficiency of your workplace. It allows us to become less susceptible to burnouts. We pay attention where attention is due. We have fewer health problems and we think and feel better.
0: Mm. So, um, do you think there is a line in the sand, or uh, as you said, do you think this has just become somehow become blurry? Has it just sort of been like a bit of a snowball? Something's happened and it's rolled rolled along, and we've gotten to this point. Or was there something significant that you think's happened that's that's shifted us so that the line between work and life seems to be bal- um seems to be out of balance? Or um, was there something you think that might have triggered that.
1: I think that perhaps for many of the people I know, the trigger was the economic situation. Mm-hmm. People were being laid off. When people were being laid off, employers were not replacing those those jobs with real people. Instead, they doubled up with the existing staff and had them do more. So having to do more in less hours, in less time, and for the same amount of money causes burnout. It causes less productivity in, in the long haul. And it contribute certainly to our lack of balance when there's a balance between work and home you have greater control of where your focus remains so if you leave your work at the office your full attention will be on your home life when you are home and give your relationships the attention that they need and that they deserve when you spend time with your partner children or friends your mind needs to be solely focused on the experiences that you're having rather than thinking of what you have to do at work When you bring that briefcase home full of work and you set it aside and think, I'll get to it later. Or if you have young children, you don't pay attention to them when you get home. And instead, you start to continue the work that is in that briefcase, knowing that you're never going to finish. All of that creates a challenge for us and contributes to an imbalance. And it's that imbalance that impacts us, that causes us. To be out of alignment Mm. it affects our job it affects our relationships it affects our health it affects our finances it affects every part of our being
0: Mm. Um, so just a couple of things that that's raised for me that i just want to get your perspective on so um, work-life balance is this more about maybe um, having some strategies in place personally that enable you to compartmentalize the various Aspects of your your life so that you can truly be present. I know that was it Eckhart Toll that wrote a book, The Power of Now, and and the fact that you know we seem to sometimes be out of sync because of the fact that that we are trying to do so many things at once and that that we really aren't being present.
1: I believe that that's true. So I think that there are some steps that each and every one of us can take. I would say first learn to say no. Mm. In my book, Be is for Balance, I offer up the fact that no is a complete sentence. It's okay to say no without making an excuse. It's okay to say no to an invitation to a dinner party that perhaps you really don't want to attend. And you don't have to make up an excuse like, my grandmother is ill. Well, how many grandmothers do you have and how many times have they been ill? <laughs> We've all heard that story. When it's something else, it's the dog died or my brother ate my homework or something. It's always something. We don't need to come up with excuses. All we need to say is thank you so much for asking me. I graciously decline. The answer is no, or I'm honored that you asked me. I just cannot put that into my schedule at this time. I cannot make it work and do my best, which is what you deserve. Please ask someone else. Mm. If you have staff working for you, you have to have the right people in the right seats on your bus. Mm. In healthcare, we always talk about the idea of not having just warm bodies. Do you want five nurses walking down the hallway who perhaps are incompetent and don't understand that patient population or the complexities of the disease process just to say that you have bodies walking down the hall? Absolutely not. You want to make sure that you have the best of the best. If you have only one or two slots within your business, you want to fill those slots with people who are competent or else it's all going to come back to you and fall on your shoulders and make you more stressed. So having the right people in the right seats on your bus or on your team is critical and then i believe having the i'll think about it overnight theory mm. <laughs> put it away say let me give it a thought mm-hmm. hold it until tomorrow and then take it out and then say no
0: mm-hmm. hmm. i mean it that really makes it sound quite easy and simplistic and i guess a lot of the time what we do is complicate it because there's an emotional attachment
1: exactly mm. We're all afraid to say no. And then the other thing I think that needs to happen is we need to prioritize. Mm. You know, well, everyone has a to-do list. It's either an electronic list or a paper list or an app list. It's something. Sometimes those lists just run for miles and miles. They're bigger than our shopping list for the holidays. <laughs> what we need to do is to convert that to-do list into a must Do list. Mm. Think about the things that are within your control. Even right now, for our chapter of the National Speakers Association, we're planning our retreat. And I'm thinking about what will our goals be for next year. And I'm thinking about between three and five things that I know we can measure and achieve that are smart goals that we can accomplish and that will make us feel good at the end of the year. I'm not coming up with a list of things that is everyone's wish list that we cannot possibly do. And that will make us feel empty Mm, mm. and unsuccessful
0: at the end of the year. So I'm guessing it's sort of like, um, you know, you're better off having four or five items that you can move forward significantly rather than 10, 20 or 30 items that you're moving forward just a tiny bit at a time or not even at all.
1: Yes, not even at all. And worse than that on our electronic calendars, we didn't get to it today. So we're moving it a week later. But then we won't get to it next week either. So you either do it and move on with it. It was so much easier in a paper world, even though we cut down so many trees, because when we finished something, we filed it either in a circular file or in a normal file, or we got rid of it, but we accomplished it and we felt good about it. In this world of electronics and technology, we can just keep changing the
0: date. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And we're gonna get onto technology shortly. Um, Sharon, my next question, are companies investing in helping their teams to get work-life balance and why is it so important?
1: Right now, companies are investing in the process. Some of them are really good with the words and it's all talk and no action. Mm -hmm. Others, and I think, The others are a good 70% or so really are interested in having a healthier workforce because it's no secret that when we're run down, tired, or stressed, our immune system is the one that's going to suffer. And the fact that stress can impact your health so much is even more important in terms of maintaining a healthy work environment. A healthy work environment is one in which employees feel appreciated, they feel valued, they feel recognized, they know that their boss is respectful of them. Not just for the talent and the energy that they bring to the table, but respectful of their own personal time and the fact that if they're rested, they're hydrated, they feel good about being in that workplace, their outcomes are going to be better Mm. and their health is going to be better and they'll be more present in the workforce. They won't have as much absenteeism. They won't feel as dejected. And be more willing to call in sick, even if illness is
0: not a problem. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's some um, it's a corporate um a corporate's responsibility to educate people in the organization as to what the expectations are like particularly given what you're saying things the lines are sort of blurred uh, is it important for them to provide uh, some framework or structure around how their organization is is going to work like f- for example that um, you know some organizations I know um, say look you can't don't access your email on the weekends or no emailing after hours you know that some sort of simple things, or is there anything that you've seen in your experience that corporations are doing to uh, take responsibility and, and educate um, the employees as to, to what is right for the business? Because it's going to be different for everyone.
1: It is going to be different for everyone, Donna, and it also is dependent upon what type of business mm-hmm. is. In police and in safety and in firemen and in first responders, those are 24-hour, seven-day-a-week businesses. Mm -hmm. They operate for every single day of the year. They operate 24 hours a day, and somebody needs to be on that shift. There are other businesses that operate during normal business hours, and they would have a different concept of what is acceptable behavior. I'm seeing an increase in the number of employers who are basically saying to people, When the clock stops, put your work away and don't work on business-related things over the weekend. Enjoy your time off. Take that day off so that when you return to the workplace on Monday or on Tuesday or whatever that day might be, you are fully engaged and you are ready to recommit. You are ready to do what needs to be done. I've also seen that spectrum of employers who expect you to be practically on call Mm. 24-7, to take calls in the evening to respond to emergencies, that if somebody can't make it, you should, that that's part of your managerial responsibility, to be there when your staff cannot be there. No one can function that way, Donna. Mm -hmm. The body is not meant that way, and it will, at one point or another, retaliate and say to you, hey what gives what are you trying to do to me so i believe that in both directions there's a a plethora of people of employers who are really looking at the idea of balance and engagement and productivity and outcomes and then that other side that will always exist that perhaps does not care or is not aware but i also believe that employers are giving more directives to their employees and telling them what they offer that will help them contribute saying it's okay to go outside for a walk at lunchtime. Keep your running shoes right in your desk and be my guest saying it's okay to be sure that you're well hydrated, especially when you're focused so long on a computer screen. It will improve your cognition and it will improve
0: our outcomes. Have you in your, I mean, that's all great, fantastic. Have you seen any industries in particular in your experience where this has been a a particular challenge for them to shift?
1: I think that the greatest challenge is perhaps in healthcare, and that's because of the way in which care is delivered. But I also see certainly in the education areas, studies that have been done for example at the university of wisconsin that that identified the fact that when students are on a computer screen 8 to 10 to 12 hours a day they lessen their cognitive ability they can't concentrate and if they would hydrate not with soft drinks but with water mm-hmm. they would feel that much better and respond that much better so i believe that probably those first responders are perhaps the biggest challenge just because of the number of hours that are worked and the expectations mm.
0: Mm, that's all very interesting, very, very interesting. So So Sharon, how do you think technology uh, because that's my area of expertise, email, documentation in Word, Excel, etc uh, are impacting on work-life balance?
1: We are overwhelmed <laughs> and we are under engaged mm-hmm. with a plethora of emails, social media, electronic files, devices, and more. Mm. People cannot exist without their devices. I often joke about the fact that my IT expert is a (laughs) nine-year-old. Anything that I ask him, he knows how to do. So Anthony D'Angelo once gave a quote that I find quite helpful when I think about it. And he said that in your thirst for knowledge, be sure not to drown in all of that information. Because information overload is not only possible, it's probable in today's work environment. Regardless of one's role within a system or a business, if you're feeling swamped, you need to get help. You need to learn to let go of the stuff in your life, and that's the first step toward avoiding information overload, because the line that is drawn between our personal and our public lives, our work and our play, our friends and our families have all blurred due to the social era in which we live, and how can we draw that line? How do we do it? Are we in danger of overexposure to connectivity? How can we cope with information overload in a highly technical world? And do social media and connectivity prevent us from having a life in balance? Mm, mm. I say yes. Mm.
0: Oh, absolutely. I agree. I know um, I I work a lot with uh, with teams in organization and their communication strategies, in particular with email, is, is one of the areas. And um, it, it's often interesting to find the difference in what people's expectations are around responsiveness and then just. Having that conversation and putting it out there so that everybody's so busy and everybody has their own expectations about responsiveness. And when you have these expectations about responsiveness and you don't meet them, even though they're not um, written or acknowledged by everybody, we have our own personal expectations where, you know. Uh, unconsciously, we say we want to be proactive. We want to do all these things, um, but uh, we often create these expectations that that provide us with stress, or we expect unrealistic things. So I was working. I've been working with uh, sales teams, and one of the common things that comes up is, should uh, you email after hours? And, you know, a lot of people were doing that because they thought that's what they were supposed to do. And it wasn't until, you know, we brought it out in the open as a conversation piece and said, well, what are the expectations? And and the managers would sort of say, uh, well, look, we don't expect if, if we send an email or a message after, you know, 6 o'clock at night, we don't expect a response from you till uh, you know, early business hours the next morning, so after 9 a.m., 8, 9 a.m. And once people had that clarity of this is what's expected of me uh it just sort of you could see a weight lifting because they knew what was expected rather than just making assumptions and we all know what happens when you make assumptions
1: exactly exactly
0: so it's no that's that's a good point yeah it's just it's just really interesting and i think um i was talking to someone else recently who works in that millennial space and um she was saying you know Probably about 10 years or so ago, uh, they, a lot of organisations in a cost-cutting measure removed a layer of middle management that was sort of seen as being superfluous to a business. But really what they did was they managed the people. Uh, and now with that layer removed, managers are trying to do a job, but they're also trying to manage the people. And uh, it's adding an extra layer of work and complexity and stress. It doesn't allow them to do the job that they were uh, initially engaged to do
1: exactly because technology we have to think about this do you really need to know every detail and be part of every meeting or read every piece of information that comes across your desk technology is supposed to support and enable your home and business processes not dictate how your life is run it's up to you to control how you use technology and not let technology control you
0: absolutely and i think sometimes in in with the ability to be able to communicate so quickly Often people are duplicating information in an effort to ensure that they protect themselves or to ensure that they're perceived to be keeping everybody in the loop. And ultimately what ends up happening is uh, you know, there's this too much stuff and people have to prioritise based upon what they think is important rather than what really is important. And, and that brings me to something, um, I did some work a number of years ago with uh, with Microsoft uh, around email management and how their team manages um, emails. And um, one of the things that came up was the, the fact, a reminder that although it was their product and a, a tool to make communication much more efficient, it wasn't the only tool and that realistically, everything that they were supposed to do should align with their key performance indicators as opposed to just shooting off emails here and there. And realistically, you can't go in and have a um, a performance review or performance appraisal with your manager and say, oh, sorry, I haven't achieved my key performance measures, um, but I did send 20,000 emails this year. It really doesn't cut it, does it?
1: No, good for you. I was going to say, how do you possibly get compensated on that type of performance? What is that all about? Well, the
0: only time I I see something like that being um, um, a measurement of productivity is where your role is one of, say, for example, customer service, and your role is to respond to people who make electronic. um, Exactly. And, and, you know, that's, that's the differentiator, but that's not the norm. For most people, that's no—that's a different, a, a unique group of employees where that is part of their um, job description and their role. But I think the ease at which we have that technology available to us uh, has made it much more simpler for us to go, oh, I'll just quickly send off this email and it's like we're ticking a box and, and making this someone else's problem. Yet if we had to physically... Um, print out a piece of paper, get it and put it in an envelope and mail it to somebody or get in a car and, and go and deliver it to somebody, w- we probably wouldn't be sending half of the stuff that we, we are doing now.
1: You're exactly right. You're exactly right. The paradigm would shift dramatically. It's it's a whole different ball game because we have it so readily available mm-hmm. and so therefore we think that we need to do it, but we don't need to do it. And We really don't need to do it 24-7. And we
0: need to be comfortable not to do it.
1: Exactly. We need to feel that it's safe, Mm -hmm. that it's good for us, Mm -hmm. and that it will contribute to our own well-being. When we're better, when we feel better about who we are and what we do and what we contribute, we do a better job and our health is improved. When we're stressed out because the server is down or because the email is not working or because Microsoft or something else is not behaving Mm -hmm. or because we can't get something to load or to download – then we're stressed. Then we know that we're totally dependent upon that process and not upon just getting the business done, Mm -hmm. responding to people's needs, providing the service that is required and feeling good about ourselves and our health at the end of the day. Feeling good about the contributions that you and I and everyone else out there has made,
0: and and I also think extending off from that is the technology is very inanimate, and the beauty of uh, sometimes going back to basics can differentiate you if you're operating from either a um, a sales sales perspective or you're operating from a position of um, you know wanting to be able to communicate with your team. Nothing beats face to face nothing beats exactly or you know nothing beats having a conversation that can be very fluid as opposed to uh, an email which is very one dimensional and can be so easily misinterpreted
1: i would agree with you i tell my people all the time pick up the phone. I give a really good example of a job for which I once applied. It's probably been 15 years or more since that happened. And when I first called that organization, I was so smitten with the wonderful voice of the person who answered the phone, the receptionist. He had a resonant quality to his voice. He made me feel over the phone that he felt really good about being there and that he was happy with that work environment. And I recall thinking to myself, wow, this fella, Danny, sounds really happy to be there. That is probably the right connection for me. Little did I know when I took the job and worked for them for 10 years, and that's the group for whom I was working 100 hours a week, by the way, <laughs> that I found out that Danny had previously been in the Broadway performance of Cats. And the reason he had such a great quality to his voice was because he was a performer, an actor. Uh-huh. And of course he was going to sound engaged and happy. And we're, we're very close friends to this day. And he always was very happy to be there. But I did realize later on that it wasn't just about the voice. It's about making that eye contact. It's about seeing that person face to face. It's it's looking at their body language. It's knowing what they're thinking. Mm. It's looking straight into their eyes. Mm, mm. And knowing that expectation.
0: And you can actually get so much more done in a face to face communication. Now, I guess what I want to do here is attach a caveat to that that I'm not talking about creating meetings for the sake of meetings, but rather what I'm talking about is, you know, where there is something that you know immediately, you can look at something and say, oh, gee, there are a number of ways that this discussion could go off in multiple directions. That's where, you know, it's time to. You know stop emailing and pick up the phone and just have a conversation because you you can go and have a conversation either by phone uh, using one of the online video tools or actually arranging a meeting. And in a matter of five minutes you could get an answer that if you were using email as your communication tool, it could take you weeks going backwards and forwards and then you've got to remember to follow up. And I know the University of London did some research and they found that every time somebody was interrupted, Uh, with something that they did. It took them around 15 to 20 minutes for them to get back to that place where they said, now, what was I doing again?
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, Donna, work-life balance is not a result of time management. I think we need to talk about that. Mm. Work-life balance is not about finding more time to fit into your day because each of us only has that requisite 24 hours in a day. If you're spending all of your time managing your time, you're focusing in the wrong place. You'll experience a happier and more fulfilling life by focusing on your values rather than on your time.
0: Mm, I think it was Stephen Covey that said, uh, it's not about scheduling your priorities, it's about prioritizing your schedule or something along those lines. It's about scheduling your priorities, um, not just scheduling for the sake of scheduling.
1: Exactly. Or Eddie Hillis, I'm going to put it this way. She said, sometimes the most important thing in a whole day is the rest that we take between two
0: deep breaths. Mm, I like that one. I like that one. Now, I'm convinced, Sharon, already that, you know, we could talk for ages on this particular topic because I know you're passionate about uh, work-life balance on your side of things. And I know on my side of things with technology, I'm all about leveraging that. Um, But I've got a few more questions uh, that I wanted to ask. You know, many of our listeners may be managers or individuals seeking to improve their own or their team or their organisation's work-life balance. What are some of the signposts that they may have an issue in this area
1: that's a really great question if you have people who are dragging and not producing what they should be producing there's a problem Mm -hmm. if you have people falling asleep at their desks or drinking too much coffee or spending too much time at the coffee machine or at the coffee shop that's a problem if you see that the outputs are not what they should be then you have a problem. And if you see a lot of complaining and bickering and attitude problems, then you have perhaps an even more severe problem. You should be seeing in a workplace a group of people who smile freely, who feel good about being there, who are engaged because they feel valued and recognized for the job that they do and for the the value that they bring to the table, to the organization. So making things easier for them by having water available when it's needed, by perhaps having fruit breaks, by perhaps having an opportunity for people to take a deep breath, to go for a walk. In some workplaces, are studying the use of 15 to 20 minute naps in respite areas to see if that does improve outcomes as well. One of the best experiences that I had was working with an elementary school in Chicago and the school's athletic program was funded by the Chicago Bulls, Mm. the basketball Mm -hmm. team. And they had a wonderful, wonderful gym with more ellipticals and more treadmills and more bicycles than I'd ever seen anywhere, (laughs) anytime. But what impressed me the most was that they had bottled water available in every single classroom for whenever a child wanted it. They had fruit, fresh fruit, organic fruit brought into the classroom twice a day. In the cafeteria, they had no processed foods, no chips, no fries, no pizza. Instead, they were serving baked squash and salmon or tilapia or something else that would give the child enough energy to take them through the day and make them feel good while also contributing to their good health. So it's about an overall concept. I did a lot of work for the library system of the state of Illinois, and I noticed that in their building, they had more water coolers in different places than I'd ever seen before. They had an inside track. Even though people worked in cubicles, their cubicle walls went up to the ceiling and there was perhaps a glass transom window at the top, but people could close those doors. Mm. They could close the door and have privacy when they needed it, but still be available for group work so that you were not distracted (laughs)
0: yeah. like you might have been in a more open
1: office environment. Mm,
0: mm, which is really important. Uh, and I guess what we also need to consider here is that it didn't take us five minutes to get to this point. So it's it's not a five minute fix. It's and putting a number of no. pieces together. I, I guess we've sort of got to a point where we recognize this is a, um, a possibility for improvement. We recognize that this is a, uh, an ongoing struggle and challenge for many people and providing some framework and support support structures that enable you to get the most out of your, your employees and yourselves because as you said, um, you know when you don't have people when you have people that are out of balance for whatever reason, it's good to recognize it. but just as important it's good to understand the impact that that has financially and I guess morale wise across your organization.
1: I would agree with you, you know, you may not always have the opportunity in a workplace to do what you love, mm-hmm. but you can love what you do. Mm-hmm. And part of loving what you do is feeling recognized, is feeling appreciated. Appreciated feeling that you're in a work environment that makes you feel good about being there.
0: Absolutely. Now, Sharon, we're fast running out of time and you've shared some amazing insights. Before we wrap up, what simple strategies can our listeners implement that may help them bring things back in alignment, maybe not just for themselves, but for their teams as well?
1: Okay. Well, the first thing that I would say is, you know, you talked a lot about information technology. One of the things that we didn't hit on was the idea of connectivity. Mm. So if you want to get a decent night's sleep and you want to be well-rested, get rid of that power strip that might be under your bed that's interfering with your, mindset, interfering with your cognitive ability, mm-hmm. that's
0: interfering with your ability to get into a good, deep,
1: rapid eye movement sleep that will allow you to recover for the next day. By
0: that, do you mean? Don't recharge Yeah, your- I was going to say, by yeah. that, do you mean um, not charging your your devices in your bedroom? Because yes, of that's the- what I
1: was just getting Great. To. Yes, because of that and the wireless connectivity, Mm -hmm. but with the power strip under the bed, it's also some people like to sleep with an electric blanket, perhaps in a cold environment. Mm -hmm. All that's doing is interfering with your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. You cannot have that power strip running under your bed, under your mattress, because when it's powered on and plugged in, it's interfering with your body's ability to do its best work and to recover. So yes, again, in your bedroom, you don't want to be recharging your devices, A lot of us travel. When you're in a hotel, you don't want that right next to the bed, Mm. recharging. Put it in the bathroom. Put it somewhere else. Put it where it's not going to interfere with you and with your mind. It amazes me the number of young people who sleep with their cell phone under their pillow because they're so afraid to miss a text message from their friends. And then they hold that phone right next to their ear, which is right next to their brain, which is interfering with their body's ability to be well. That entire Wi-Fi process, learn to use earbuds or headsets whenever possible. That would be one thing. Something else is to make sure that you're hydrated, and that does not mean with coffee or tea. Mm -hmm. Yes, a cup of tea is great, but a glass of water is better. And people should be drinking half of their body weight in ounces of water per day in order to give their cells what their cells truly need. Make sure that you get enough sleep. For women, it's estimated that they can get by on seven hours. For some odd reason, men seem to need eight and a half to nine. Whatever it is that your body needs, give it what it needs and be kind. Go for that 10 to 15-minute walk. Sit down and close your eyes for 10 or 15 minutes and just regroup and have a rest. Have a quiet period. Make sure that when you go home, you put the work away and that it doesn't follow you home. Your family those with whom you live recognize the fact that you're not paying attention to them. My favorite story is one many years ago when my children suddenly told me, and they were grown at that time, that they weren't going to talk to me anymore. And I said, what's the problem? Yeah. And what it said was that they were only going to talk to their dad because I wasn't smart enough as their mom to know, to put my phone on mute while I was talking to them. And they could hear me typing 150 words a minute in the background and knew that I wasn't really engaged in the conversation. And so I'd say, well, test me, you know, ask me again what you said to me. And they would tell me and I would repeat it verbatim. I was able to multitask and I could give it right back to them, Donna. (laughs) But they weren't weren't happy with that because I was not 100 percent attentive to them and they were exactly right. And I stopped doing it. No, I don't don't put my phone on mute when I'm talking to them. I make sure that when I'm talking to them, they are important to me. (laughs) They're part of of my life. I brought them into this world. Wow. Well. And I,
0: I want to be involved. Wow, Sharon, that's some great insights. So just to recap on a few of them, earbuds, hydration, the power board underneath your, your bed or beside your bed, even just simple things like moving those can impact on your um, your ability to regenerate when you're sleeping. Making sure you get exactly. good sleep, putting work away when you get home and five, uh, 10 to 15-minute walks or eye-closing, sort of regrouping, that there's nothing wrong with doing some of these things. They're just amazing insights, Sharon. I know they're simplistic, but it really doesn't have to be that hard, does it? No, it doesn't. It's right in front of us. Simplify your life. (laughs) So, Sharon, if some of our listeners want to get in contact with you, or I believe you also have a book, was it Be for Balance? Yes,
1: the book is called Be is for Balance, second edition. It won first place in consumer health last Mm. year, and it's available on Amazon and on Kindle. Mm -hmm. And then it was so successful that the publisher gave me a dedicated website, which is called beisforbalance.com. So there's a blog on that site. There's information about balance. It's amazing. And then I also, of course, have a speaker website at SharonMWeinstein.com. And I'm on every piece of social media. I also save time on social media by posting in advance using Hootsuite and other tools that allow me to appear engaged Mm -hmm. and to appear very active, but also to maintain control of my time and my
0: balance. Wow. Wow. Sharon, look, thank you so very much for your time today and for your insights on gaining a work-life balance and its, and its impact on productivity for ourselves and our teams. Listeners, thank you for joining us for this Expert Insights show. For more information on our services, visit donnahanson.com.au or, of course, the three Ws, primesolutions.net.au. Until next time, this is Donna Hanson helping you work smarter and not harder with technology. Bye for now. I'm not afraid of